everybody, this is Tova from Operation Tube Top, and it's another podcast. Uh, it is Thursday, and I want to wish all my American friends a very happy Thanksgiving. I still have a cold, so I sound a little uh, Kathleen Turner, which is actually kind of cool. Um, I'm feeling fine. It's just snotty, otherwise, uh, and a hacking cough. I sound great. Um, as I said, it's Thanksgiving, and I hope everybody's having a great day, that they're eating a lot. I did a Thanksgiving special with my friend Deborah, which I posted on Monday. She also um, mentioned something very controversial, that Canadians were the ones who first did Thanksgiving, and the Americans stole that idea. So you can listen to that podcast, and then you can always email her about the controversy. Not my fault. I also want to say that if you are in North America and you're celebrating Thanksgiving, please also remember the First Nations people, um, uh, Native Americans, Native Canadians. Uh, It's a holiday for us to get together as family and to eat food, but the, the real heritage of it is tragic and terrible. So if you have a community that you can support or you know a charity, uh, the best thing you can do this holiday is try to support them. And, uh, yeah, that was the, that was Tova being a bit of a Debbie Downer, but it's true. And if we can't look back at our history and try to change and try to make a difference, then we're, we're not great. So do what you can and try to support your communities. So that was my, uh, awkward introduction to Thanksgiving. If you're gathered around with your family and you listen to that, don't worry. Um, <laughs> that was just my little preaching at the beginning. And now I'm going to go into something that is awful. <laughs> it's a, it's a recap of a Hallmark film. So if you've read my blog in the past, you know, I love super cheesy films. Uh, once in a while, I love any lifetime film. I think they're just horrible and they're just great, uh, at the same time. And it's kind of this love hate thing that I enjoy them, enjoy watching them. So I've done some kind of cheesy Christmas recaps and I was thinking, well, I've never seen a, uh, what's it called? Thanksgiving one. So I found one by Hallmark. So Hallmark is kind of, I guess like the, the more modest religious righteous sister of lifetime and it's cozy like a teddy bear and everything is is really wonderful and sweet and lifetime while it's cheesy tries to delve into some more serious topics like revenge porn and eating disorders and uh, everyone's got really good hair um so I looked up um, Hallmark or Lifetime films that would have a Thanksgiving theme, and I could only find one from Hallmark, and it was called The Thanksgiving House. And I was like, okay. And I decided not to read the recap or anything about it because I thought, okay, I should be surprised. And boy, was I not surprised at all. It's terrible. And um, it's funny because I just looked at the picture kind of of the cover of it, and it's a very pretty blonde woman on a swing 
and she's being pushed by a very good looking guy. And, uh, I didn't know what that meant. It didn't really seem to tell me. So, uh, before I get into it, I wrote many pages of notes, so I don't even know if I'm going to last through this whole thing. I might just kind of skip to the end because this was an incredibly dull film, but I'll try to spice it up a little bit. So if you ever get a chance to watch it, uh, please just take, take a pill, drink some wine. You'll find it a lot more amusing. And when I saw the cover and these two really attractive people, I thought, Maybe they were a young couple discovering their love of Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't know what I was going to expect, but it was called the Thanksgiving House. So, um, you know, sit back. Um, either you've already eaten or you're about to eat. Uh, enjoy this amazing recap of a Hallmark film. So we start off with some very cheesy um, music that is in every TV movie. It's just. Uh, you know that somebody who composed it probably is an incredibly talented musician, but they've got to get paid. So they come up with very non-invasive, almost elevator music. Uh, so there's this opening montage. It's a city. And uh, we kind of go into this office and there's this very attractive blonde woman. And she's got this great, you know, French twist updo. And uh, we kind of figure out immediately that she's a lawyer and she's in this conference room and across from her is another lawyer. And then obviously his client and his client is like holding a cane. And we pretty much find out that he's trying to scam insurance and she has pictures of this other guy doing things that he shouldn't have done if he was injured. And so, you know, with this is the great thing about these made-for-TV films is that within 30 seconds, you know that she's successful, she's no-nonsense, she's a lawyer, and she's successful, and I probably said that a couple of times. So she wins, apparently, this case, and she um, she's very busy, and her assistant is also very attractive, and she's this young woman named Victoria. And the name of the main character, the lawyer, her name is Mary. It's got to be Mary. So Mary kind of walks out of the conference room and her assistant comes running up and she's like, Mary, I, I have a letter for you. I'm so sorry. I opened it. I didn't realize it was personal. And I want to be like, what kind of assistant are you? So she's like, I'm so, so sorry. And she doesn't seem sorry. She's so not sorry. And so um, Mary opens this envelope and she finds out that uh, her uh, aunt Philly died and she's left her a house <laughs> and the amount of emotion she shows. Um, it's like she just opened up a subscription renewal for, um, good housekeeping. She's not that excited. So then we pan out to some kind of good looking, almost rugged guy, a looking guy, and he's taking pictures outside of a house. And I'm not a genius, but I think this is the house she might've inherited. And then he goes to his parents' house afterwards. And you know, the perfect, uh, parents, and the mother, his mother is played by Lindsay Wagner, who I think I know just from commercials, but she's strangely very recognizable uh, to me. So um, I pretty much will call her Lindsay for the rest of the, the, the uh, recap. So he goes into his parents' house. He gives his mom flowers. He's like the perfect son. And then uh, he's like, sorry, I was late. I was developing film. And then his dad, who's, you know, Silver Fox is like, you gotta go digital, son. And I don't know who wrote this, but it's hilarious. Um, I'm just imagining a woman in her 40s who wrote this and was like, dad's gonna be hip, son's gonna be a little bit different. So he says that he found a house and the parents are really excited and they're like, just in time for Thanksgiving. So 
while I was watching this, I was thinking, oh, is he getting married? Or, you know, is he, like, does he need a place for Thanksgiving? I don't know what's happening. So then we go back to the city where Mary is. And it's like the typical Hallmark type of restaurant. It's what I imagine restaurants uh, as a kid would be like in New York City. And no restaurant looks like that. It's all just way too stylized, but really tacky looking at the same time. So she shows up um, and her there's a guy sitting in a booth and he's kind of Rico Suave and she has a martini with him. And you can tell that they have this kind of weird relationship, but it's supposed to be like, we're big city people. And we have this very mature relationship. And he's totally uh, sleazy. So um, she sits down, a waiter comes up and takes their order. And he orders for her already. And she goes, did you order for me? And he goes, well, what's the point of owning a restaurant if you can't yield extraordinary power? And I don't know what that means. Extraordinary power, you ordered food at a restaurant? That's normal. I don't, I, that, I don't, I'm, I don't understand. I still can order food and I don't own a restaurant. So anyway, she's quiet. And then, um, she says, you know, my, my aunt died about a month ago and it's a house in Plymouth. And this is the point where I was groaning the minute she said this, cause I was like, of course it's in Plymouth. This is Thanksgiving house. God, why did I choose this movie to do? So, um, I'm gonna take a quick break. Cause I think my kid is just trying to fall asleep. One sec. Okay, I'm back. This is my super professional podcast that I do for my living room as my child falls asleep in his bedroom. Anyway, so she's told the boyfriend about her house in Plymouth, of all places, and I figured out they're, um, I'm guessing at this point that they're from Boston, because her boyfriend is like, khakis, I'm from Boston, and you're like, that's the, you can't, what are you doing? That's not, that's not the right accent. I can't do it but neither can this actor. So she says that she'll drive down on Saturday to check out the house. And, um, this guy, his name's Rick, but I've been, I called him Joey for most of the, uh, recap anyway. So Rick's is like, well, I'll come and help you. And I think, okay, that's nice of him. So of course you've got this montage of fall colors and it's gorgeous. And it's only an hour from Boston. That's when I know they're from Boston. And she pulls up in this like super sleek Mercedes and, uh, I think that's where Hallmark spent most of their budget was on renting this car. And, you know, they walk in and, um, Rick's like, Oh, I should bring in some top dollar. It's a nice, nice house. And she, uh, there's sheets covering everything and she's walking around and you can see that she has absolutely no personality. And then as she looks outside the window, there's that good looking guy in the backyard. So this guy is in the backyard, and it's the same guy that had been taking pictures of her house earlier. So, okay, what's going on? She kind of comes out, and she's like, what are you doing in my backyard? And he's like, oh, I'm taking core samples. I've got a permit. I got permission from Philly. It's fine. And Philly was obviously her aunt who passed away about a month ago. And he's an archaeologist. Of course, of course he is. So she pretty much tries to shut that down, and uh, he says he's also a local historian and she's just acting very very bitchy and her boyfriend's hilarious because he's kind of got this boston and then yet long island accent he's like joey putafuco hey what's up hey so anyway they go back into the house and um she her memory of this house the last memory was where she spent her last thanksgiving before her parents divorce and so she's had no more good thanksgiving she hasn't had any since that memory and uh joey putafuco's like uh because you haven't had a Thanksgiving cruise. 
<laughs> and it's just awful. I mean, I don't know if they think that cruises are something that big city people do for Thanksgiving, but it's hilarious. So, uh, I don't know who this guy is. So the, the, so we go to now the guy, the archeologist, the kind of rugged guy, he's in like apparently his kitchen lab. And I kind of think like, what's he looking for? The Plymouth rock? Ha ha. Well, um, yeah. So anyway, this high school guy, um, sorry, what did I write here? So there's some high tech, high school guy, high tech gear is in this kitchen. And, uh, so he's looking around and I guess he's trying to research something. We don't know yet. Okay. This is very exciting. Uh, the next morning, Mary's walking around her house or her aunt's house and she's in these silk PJs and a really nice robe and she's got perfect makeup. And I was like, that's not what people really look like. She, kind of sees an air vent and then opens it and inside is obviously this like little memory memory box and there's like a my little pony and there's a picture of her and her parents and there's a picture of her on a swing a little foreshadowing there anyway so um her boyfriend walks in and he's talking about the hotel he's staying at and I was like what do you mean he's staying at a oh this is hallmark right so ixnay on the x day no nobody's getting frisky and he walks in and he's brought coffee and he's brought um maple bars and i thought that was that was brilliant thank you um so he's been researching prices in the area because he's like this is gonna go for a lot of money because you want to sell it and she's like well i'm, I'm not sure if i really want to sell sell it it's a place to get away you too you know it's only an hour from boston and joey's like what? That doesn't make any sense. Make money. And then she shows them the pictures from the Thanksgiving from when she was 10 and when they divorced. And, um, she just keeps going on and on. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You know, it's rough. I get it. Divorce isn't fun, but you're going to have to move on. And Joey's not the person that would be the best for you, but whatever. So then, um, the historian shows up and he's super excited because he's got big news. And, um, the big news is that Mary's house is probably where the very first Thanksgiving ever happened in Plymouth. Oh, sweet baby Jeebus. We're only 15 minutes in, but the results are still preliminary, but they know that it happened and it could be where the house is. So this could be one of the most important archeological discoveries. Um, and he's telling this to Mary, he's shown up at her house and she's like, you're gonna have to leave. So now we're back in Boston and she's looking at laws about property in Plymouth. And I guess she's going to fight um, that this place does not become a big historical site, ergo, where the very first Thanksgiving took place, which is, I, I can't, I can't make this stuff up, but apparently uh, um, Hallmark can. So then we have the, uh, the town historian, this rugged guy, he's mailing some stuff. I guess he's getting some core samples tested to make sure that this is where the very first Thanksgiving took place. Um, I don't know how you can test that, but there's a post guy, uh, the guy who works in the post office, and he's super uh, nosy. And then suddenly, as soon as the historian leaves, he picks up the phone and he calls a woman. And she has a blog and, you know, wait for this title. I'm kind of bummed that I went with Operation Tube Top, but if I guess I lived in Plymouth, this would be my blog title. She's called The Inquisitive Pilgrim. And I just, there was a lot of deep sighing as I watched this. Anyway, The Inquisitive uh, Pilgrim is, her name is Ashley. And she's in her kitchen. She's got great hair. And she's, she's not, I don't think she's a good person. 
and uh, she's typing stuff up, and she's very excited to have gotten this phone call from this post guy. So now uh, we're back at the historian's place. His name is Everett. I thought it would be Chad. And so his buddy shows up with coffee, and he's like, hey, let's go play some tennis. And I'm like, well, this is not what happens in Plymouth. Historians playing tennis? I don't think so. Um, I'm not quite sure how many Jews are in Plymouth. Anyway, so his friend is like in his house or in his apartment and he picks up an artifact and he's like, what's this? So then in the meantime, uh, Ashley, the inquisitive pilgrim, is uh, calling Everett, the historian, and she's like, hey, remember we went to high school together and in 10, you know, our 10 year reunion's coming up. And I was like, no, honey, I'm sorry. I think your 20 year reunion's coming up, but that's fine. Uh, gonna suspend that uh, disbelief. So she says to uh, to Everett, she's like, you know, we should work on a committee together for the reunion. It's like, what is, what's going on? She tries to say that they used to date. And it's so, it doesn't make any sense. Thank you, Hallmark. So then we're back in Boston, and Mary's in her office, of course, doing lawyer stuff, I guess. And she gets a call, and it's her dad, and. He says, you know, did you hear about Aunt Phyllis? And obviously the dad is a big stock market guy. She says she's going on a cruise for Thanksgiving. You can tell it's tense and it's not, um, you know, they don't have a good relationship. You can tell. It's, you know, it's subtle. It's subtlety acting in this. So then Everett and the Inquisitive Pilgrim are getting coffee. He doesn't want to be on the committee. Again, they talk about this dating thing and he's like, we didn't. And he's wearing a cable knit sweater because of course he is. And she's kind of asking him out and she's wearing a tight top. So that's a little racy for Hallmark. And she's trying to get some information because I guess she's also a gossip columnist. I guess the Inquisitive Pilgrim does that too. And she says, you look hot. And, or no, he says that to her, you look hot. And he walks out and just, uh, I don't get what's happening to me. Why am I watching this? So then we, um, we go back to the house, the, um, the Thanksgiving house, and Mary and her assistant are painting, and everybody's wearing, like, chambray shirts, and I'm also like, your assistant's also painting your house, like, you're not, you're not a good person, so uh, they look absolutely perfect in their fitted chambray shirts to paint, and Everett comes by um, to dig more, and she's like, nope, no digging here, and she's being problematic, and Everett's being kind of like... This is difficult for me, but I'm obviously attracted to you. Um, so then he says something like, uh, well, your last name's Ross, so your ancestors came on the Mayflower. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if the Mayflower was a uh, aircraft um, carrier because there seems to be a ton of people who came over on that, uh, according to East Coast lore. But apparently, she says, and this I don't understand, she says something like, uh, no, I'm not really a Ross. My grandfather was a Rosinski, and he came through Ellis Island. And it's like, oh, okay, thanks for that random fact. So then the Inquisitive Pilgrim, Ashley, she's watching it all from the car. And, uh, you know, she's taking photos, and she's obviously trying to research what's going on. This big news about this house. Um, and Mary's assistant, Victoria, after the guy leaves, says, you know, oh, he's hot. Like, thanks, Hallmark, for making it obvious. We all figured that one out. So then a minute later, the Inquisitive Pilgrim, uh, Ashley, rings the doorbell, and she asks Mary, is this the site of the first Thanksgiving? And Mary's like, no comment. And then Ashley's like, well, I guess it is. So then we go back to Everett's apartment, and he's still working on archaeology stuff. And then suddenly he's in Boston, and he wants to take her out for dinner. And he's being a little pushy, and I'm like, 
I guess they're trying to say that he's kind of like, he doesn't want to let, like he's being assertive, but he kind of seems creepy. But anyway, and then he, he says something like, um, keep your enemies closer. And then they're walking through Boston. It's the evening and he passes her a family tree of her family. Cause he not only is the local archeologist, local historian, he's also a high school teacher and he's really into genealogy. So, you know, he's the full package. Um, he wants to tear down the house because he's been, um, obsessed with the first Thanksgiving his whole life. And I'm like, you keep people in your basement because that's just weird. So anyway, the next day she's back at work. She tells the assistant he's a nice guy. Assistant has some bad news because apparently the inquisitive, inquisitive pilgrim has posted a picture of Mary's house and this is not going to be a good thing. So suddenly Mary, she's outraged because she thinks Everett has spread the news about this place being the possible site of the first Thanksgiving. She puts a restraining letter or she does a restraining order against Everett. I don't know how she can do that. I don't study law, but I'm guessing that's not. Um, so then Mary decides to head back to Plymouth to deal with this. And this is just, the acting is just terrible and I'm not an actor. So maybe this is good acting, but I'm pretty sure it isn't. So then, um, Joey shows up in his Porsche wearing a leather jacket and there's a note on her door and suddenly a tour bus shows up and there's a ton of people taking pictures of her house and she's obviously ticked so she goes to the post office and she's got this great cape coat that I really like so I think they splurged a little bit on that um, because it's super cute anyway so she shows up at the post office and the male guy again call, calls the inquisitive pilgrim because he's kind of her source and then she decides that she's going to show up at um a law firm that uh, I guess represents Everett and it's actually just a house and it's actually Everett's parents house. And of course their law firm is in this house. And the dad says something like, why pay extra when we can just do it here? And I'm like, no, get, get an office. What are you doing? Like, this is weird. This is like Cosby level of like a gynecology office in the basement. Nope. Splurge a little, get a little storefront. You're a small town. Don't do it in your house. Um, so she realizes quite quickly that they're Everett's parents. And then meanwhile, um, the inquisitive pilgrim shows up at Mary's house and Joey is there and, uh, they kind of flirt back and forth and blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly we're back at, at Everett's house with Mary and she's having cookies and coffee and it's all really lovely. And then Everett shows up for the meeting and, his dad says to her, like, can you withdraw the lawsuit? And she's like, no. And they do all this legalese talk. And Everett sits there like a little boy, like, can we not call me the client? And he's just not, I, the whole thing is so obnoxious. If you made it this far, hats off, because I don't know how you're doing it. So she won't withdraw the, um, the lawsuit or whatever she's trying to do. And she's like, I got a whole lot of time and money. And she's supposed to be like 28. I don't, yeah. And I don't like her and I don't like him. So anyway, we're back at Mary's house, um, the Thanksgiving house, and her boyfriend, uh, Joey, or Rick, whatever, says he has been researching national landmarks, and it's a fascinating conversation, and then he says, you know, make it a tourist attraction, and then she kind of is annoyed, and she's like, uh, you know, you better go back to Boston tonight, and he's like, see you in a week on the cruise. <laughs> so anyway, it's November, and there are crickets. 
And this has bothered me for the rest of the film because I was like, this is the East Coast. It's November. There should be snow on the ground. This is not normal. I do like her cape coat, but it's not necessary if you hear effing crickets at night. So anyway, the Inquisitive Pilgrim is at her desk and she's typing up a blog and Everett shows up and she's super excited. Uh, and she's super flirty and he's uncomfortable because she starts asking all about the house and he tells her, you know, you got to stop writing about the house. Like, I'm done. Stop doing it. And, you know, he's being sued, I guess. So that's why he's asking. Um, and he has kind of anger issues. I'm not liking him. And he finds out that it's a possible tourist attraction, which makes him annoyed. So then Everett's mom comes by Mary's house with cookies. And uh, I think that might be illegal if there's a lawsuit happening, but whatever. And then, oh, they actually say it. So, um, haha, we're all in on the joke. And then Everett's mom checks out the remodeled house. And, she, and, and I'm kind of like, how does Mary still have a job as a lawyer in Boston? Because she seems to be at this house very, very much. Um, very a lot. I can't speak right now. Anyway, so the Everett mom is super nosy, and they're drinking coffee and eating cookies, and uh, Mary kind of says that she's got dad issues, and she really does have issues. And then we pan out to the high school where Everett's a teacher, and he's asking his buddy if history is dumb. Um, and I answered, uh, he, yeah, he goes, is history dumb? Asking his friend, because he's like, maybe I should have been a big lawyer, or maybe I should have been more successful. And I want to be like, you know what's dumb? This movie. This movie is so dumb. So then he's like, um, he's like, everybody's money motivated, blah, 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 blah. And he's going on and on about how this would turn to a tourist attraction and ruin the whole thing. So then we go back to Mary walking Everett's mom to the car. And uh, the mom suggests that she goes to the library to check out the history of Plymouth. Um, because that's where she'll learn to love the town even more. And Everett then checks his mail. We're at his house or his apartment. He's still waiting for the sample results. It's a little bit like Maury Povich. Okay, so now we're back at Mary's house, and she's cooking. It's e the evening, because, again, she's still not in Boston. I think she does say that she takes a week off to, like, remodel this house, but I don't know what she remodeled and how she got it all done in the few days that she's been there, but this is Hallmark. So she's, like, on the computer with, like, she's Skyping with Joey. Um, and uh, he's telling her that his lawyers have been looking into landmark stuff and all this. And she's getting a little ticked off because, you know, she's she's getting used to this house, kind of falling in love with it. And uh, he's kind of like, you got to sell it. You got to take advantage of this. And she's cooking, and then she just kind of shuts the computer and says goodnight. And I'm like, yeah, you're not fun. So then Everett's mom shows up at his apartment and she's kind of trying to talk up Mary. And then she says something to him like, you know, when you lived in California, because of course he did, you knew how important Plymouth was and you came back. And I think that maybe he's an only child and maybe they have some issues and boundary problems. Uh, you should move back to California, Everett. Um, anyway, so then the most important thing that Everett's mom has taken away from the conversation she had had earlier with Mary was that Mary hates Thanksgiving. And you can see Everett's face of, how could anyone hate Thanksgiving? He's so pensive. It's such a big, weird thing. And like, how is he going to make her love Thanksgiving, you know, before everybody was slaughtered? Anyway, so then meanwhile, we have um, the Inquisitive Pilgrim, and she has a bunch of people come over to make posters because she's up to something. I'm not quite sure what she's doing. It's something about a protest. So now we're at the library. Um, it's not the real Plymouth Library. I actually Googled that. It's just 
a building where they put in front the Plymouth Public Library. Uh, I like to go the full uh, length of my research. So Everett is giving a speech about Plymouth, democracy, the roots of, um, he says, auspicious in the wrong way. I'm not blasting that because I use words wrongly all the time. So then he's like, 1621, the first Thanksgiving, one tribe more willing to try a clash of cultures. And I don't, I don't think that's what, that's not right um, at all. It's not a clash of cultures. It's um, invading. But, you know, Hellmark, I know you don't want to get messy, but that was pretty ridiculous. And Mary is sitting there and she's, she's very impressed uh, with this, this talk that he's giving to students. And then this one guy puts his hand up and uh, in the group and he's like, uh, uh, so how did it turn out for that tribe that came for Thanksgiving? And Everett answers with, um, not so well. <laughs> but the first Thanksgiving was great, guys, so don't worry. Oh my goodness, I have, I, when I watched this, I was just thinking, I, I can't even imagine how rage-inducing this, this must be for First Nations people because this is, horrifying and I'm not going to get super political but I will rewrite the Thanksgiving house and make it a little bit more um, let's say sensitive uh, this is awful so um, anyway so Mary's starting to get it why her house is important <laughs> um, so then suddenly we're at the inquisitive uh, pilgrims place and she's sending out protesters and then we have the students back at the library looking at artifacts and Mary leaves and he chases her down the street. She's got great boots on and he's like, I'm not your enemy, Mary. And then suddenly she gets a phone call um, from her assistant and there's some settlement paper, something that she has to like sign. And she's like saying to her assistant, like, well, why don't you drive the paperwork down to me um, in a couple days? And I'm like, just get her to FedEx it. I hope you pay your assistant overtime because you have that weird, are you my employer? Are you my friend? I think they're gonna, that's not going to end well. So there's the protest now outside of Mary's house. And it's people yelling, our history is not for sale. And Inquisitive Pilgrim accuses her of something I don't really know. And then Everett decides to troll Inquisitive Pilgrim's website to support Mary. It's all very, it's not making a lot of sense. And then we have Mary in her house and she's taking out a box and it uh, says Mary's, Mary's books. And I'm like, if you live alone and you've packed your books, why would you put your name on that box that says, like, Tova's books? No shit. Why don't you just say books? But again, the, I'm not responsible for props in this film. And I guess whoever was should be fired. Anyway, so the, the house is obviously growing on her more and more. And then she gets a text message. And... Uh, Suddenly she goes outside and it's Everett, it's from him because apparently he's not allowed to go on her property because of this restraining order. And he goes, have you had dinner? And she asks him if he is asking her out and he says, yeah. And she says, okay. And she invites him inside. And then the tour bus shows up again, taking pictures and she's annoyed. And then he's in the house and he's picking up a frame of a picture of her on the swing, again, foreshadowing. And I always wonder why people... I don't think I've ever gone to anybody's house and picked up a frame. I've looked at pictures that people have had out in frames, but I've never ever actually picked up a frame. Um, but I guess it must be something that in acting school you learn this. So he's checking out the house, and then he um, he finds a book 
called my favorite places and they, she finds out that she's well-traveled because, you know, she's 27 and went to law school and obviously has traveled around the world. She comes out in kind of a little address, a little sexy, showing a little cleave and he's obviously smitten. Um, so he takes her to, what's it called? Oh no, he doesn't. That's not what it's called. Sorry. I can't read my handwriting. So, uh, they talk about their favorite places and he says, the Grand Canyon. Her, hers is also the Grand Canyon. And it's like that moment where they share that. And I'm like, I get it. I saw the Grand Canyon. I thought it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen, but I don't know. I think it was, they had to choose a thing, a landmark that everybody knew. So they're in a restaurant again, that kind of cheese, cheese mo type of, type of ridiculous restaurant. And, um, she explains that her husband has a steak restaurant and it's also a, a chain on the cruise ship. Uh, so that's why they're going on that cruise as well. Cause he probably got a discount. And I'm like, I don't know what cruise ship, um, has steak chain restaurants, but whatever, like fine. Thanks. Hallmark. Um, so then he lets it, uh, slip that he also went to law school, but then he dropped out. So of course that makes her think, Oh, well, he's a smart guy. Um, and then he says, um, he asks her what gets her out of bed, uh, every morning. And she says something like autonomy. Because she is obviously a strong, independent woman with a bad relationship with her dad. That's what I wrote down. But she did actually say autonomy. And then again, she talks about her parents' divorce. And it's like, oh, I, I get it. Oh, my gosh. So she doesn't stop talking about the divorce. And then, of course, it comes up suddenly that she uh, she clerked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I was like, no, you didn't. But okay. And uh, high five to the scriptwriter for throwing that in. I, I think, okay, whatever. But no. And then he says to her, like, I want you to come um, teach a class at high school to talk about the Supreme Court. And she's finally like, oh, okay, I'm going to talk about a cockroach invasion at the Supreme Court. And he's like, they're going to love it. I don't know what that was about. Anyway, so he drops her off, and then there's this damn crickets, and it's a little awkward and flirty. And then, oh, her boyfriend, Rick, Joey, um, he's on the porch. And then he says to her, like, should I play the jealousy card? I don't know what that means. And he's like, is there something going on? And he's like, I think Everett's just choosing you to get to the house. And he's, I don't, I don't, it's just weird interaction. Like they just, they seem like coworkers. There's no chemistry. Um, so then she kicks him out and he heads back to the hotel. And then at the next day, uh, Joey shows up with a package to the post office. And then the post guy Googles this guy's name and then calls the inquisitive, um, pilgrim. Like there's a lot of weird, I don't know if this post office guy just had to be in the film and they had to get him into as many, it, what's it called? Scenes as possible. Cause he really made no sense at all. Um, so then, uh, Mary's assistant is visiting Mary at her house cause her assistant apparently has to drive back and forth all the time. And the house is very pier one now, like everything's done. It looks exactly the same as when she moved in. Uh, her boyfriend, Rick, Joey, he's at a cafe and the inquisitive pilgrim walks in and she compliments him. She's like, Oh, you own those restaurants. I love those restaurants. I love steak tartare. And he's like, not many people do. So she joins him and obviously there's chemistry, chemistry in a spark. Anyway. So, uh, we go to Mary and she's in the high school class and she's talking about some stupid cockroach story. And then she goes straight into like the Supreme court. And it's like this moving thing where she's like, 
you know, the judges are pretty much also people. And I don't know what this whole thing was supposed to be about. And then a student asked a question and he's like, uh, yeah, how did they get rid of the, the cockroaches? And then she says, chemical warfare. This was the dumbest film. I cannot believe I made it almost. We're almost there guys. I promise a few more minutes. So then, um, Inquisitive Pilgrim and Rick are talking about how dumb is, how dumb Mary is to not capitalize on the house. And then, um, the, the Pilgrim says to Rick, like, you know, you should have been on the house and just help her out. I don't even know what the whole plan was. So after school, Everett asks her out for dinner again. And she's like, why? And he's like, cause you got to eat. And he's wearing a really stupid sweater. So he invites her to his parents' place. And I'm like, yeah, it's a big nope for me. I would not want to do that. So Mary gets home and Rick's Porsches, Porsches in the driveway and he wants to talk. And he's like, I'll always look out for you. I'm going to take care of you. And they talk about the cruise. And he says, you know, we'll talk about everything on the cruise. And she says, no. And she's like, I don't want to go on the cruise. And she breaks up with him. And then he goes, for the high school teacher? And she says, and I don't understand what she meant by this. She goes, no, but because you think that's why I would break up with you. That's why I'm breaking up with you. And I'm like, oh, well done, young grasshopper. You have taken a conversation and twisted the words much like I do when I'm having a fight with my husband. So maybe it does make a little sense. So anyway, she's now breaking up, broken up with her boyfriend. Sorry, I'm going through my notes. There's so many. Um, she kicks him out and he, he says, as he leaves the house, color me gone. <laughs> you have to use that now on. It's amazing. Oh, Rick. So then we're at Everett's parents' house. And the first thing Mary says is we see this nice dinner. She goes, this is gluten-free. And Everett's like, you know, this is even better than your regular stuffing. And I'm like, how, how often does his mom make stuffing? Like, what is this? Is Plymouth like Thanksgiving weekly? I guess maybe. But then um, she actually says, no, we do an early Thanksgiving because I like to prep. I like to test my recipes. And I guess one family member is a vegan. It was like this whole like, haha, stupid vegan jokes. And, um, you know, Mary's loving this warm family moment. Um, and then they're washing dishes. And, of course... So mom's cooked all day and then Mary and mom are washing dishes and, uh, the mom kind of is hinting about how she's got to forgive her father and she's got to, she's got, you know, family's everything. And then she tells her own story about a fallout with her dad. And it sounds like her dad was really dickish. Um, so then Everett walks her to the car and she asks and again, like, how are you sure that the first Thanksgiving happened at my house? Like on the grounds. And he's like, well, you want to see, I'll show you. Okay, so I had to take a quick break because even my sinuses were rebelling about the uh, the dumbness of this uh, film and my recap. Um, but I've, I'm I'm in it a minute to win it, guys. I'm gonna get through this. We're we're getting there. Trust me. Uh, pour yourself some more wine. So uh, he had said to her like he's gonna show her how he's sure that this is where the first Thanksgiving um, happened. So they're back at his apartment and he shows her proof. I don't know. He's showing her landmarks. I don't know what's going on. And then he says something about a feast and, you know, this is, this is the place where they gave peace a chance. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. That's not, that's not peace. It's not a peace agreement. Um, you invaded, but whatever. So then we're back at Mary's house and, you know, she doesn't work at all. And she's looking through the memory tin and she 
sees that stupid picture of her in the swing again. That was the last Thanksgiving before her parents divorced. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Um, and then Everett's in his apartment looking at artifacts again. I mean, this, there's nothing about either of these people that makes me think I'd like to spend time with you at any point. You're very attractive, both of you, but you are boring as toast. I cannot. Actually, toast is better than this. Anyway, so then um, suddenly uh, Mary, you know, she uh, has this impulse to call her assistant because her assistant apparently works 24 hours a day. And she's like, hey, um, you want to come up to Plymouth for Thanksgiving? It's just be the two of us. And uh, her friend's like, yeah, okay. Well, I'm single, so I, you know, I have lots of offers. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> I keep going clubbing, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll come. I'll come by." And she finds out that Mary's dumped Rick, and she's really happy for her. I guess she didn't like Rick. And to be honest, I think Rick was actually a pretty decent guy, but you know, he just rough around the edges. He owns a steak chain. So then, uh, suddenly the doorbell rings at Mary's house, and Everett's mom comes in with a recipe box. And I'm like, what is she going to make Mary, she's going to make her mom, his mom cook for her? I don't know what's going on. Okay, no, she's just showing her recipes. And then the mom's like, you know, this is a lot of work for just two, two girls eating. Why don't you come to our house for Thanksgiving? And then Mary's like, well, no, I want to do it in this house. This is the Thanksgiving house. And the mom is like, Everett's mom's like, oh, well, you know what? I'll bring my family over here and we can cook and we'll do it. And Mary's like, I don't want to put you out of your home or take you out of your home. And she's like, anywhere where I hang my Thanksgiving apron is home. Nope. A big old nope for me. Anyway, so then Mary goes back inside. Her phone beeps. It's a missed call from her dad. And she's thinking. There's a lot of there's a lot of moments where people are just sitting and thinking. And you know what they're thinking about because you've seen the scene and you know exactly what she's thinking about. So then we're back in Boston and Rick pulls up in his Porsche and Look at that, the Inquisitive Pilgrim comes out in a very tight little blue dress and then with luggage, and then you're like, oh, she's going on the cruise with Rick. Oh, well, that worked out really well. Good for Rick. Um, is he going to move to Plymouth now? I don't know. We'll see. And then they talk about something about how they're going to try to bid for the house, and um, let me just tell you, that has nothing to do with the plot later on. I don't know why they threw that in. So anyway, we're at Mary's house, and the table is beautifully decorated, and the doorbell rings and um Mary's dad is standing at the door with flowers and I teared up because I don't know what's wrong with me maybe I just was feeling a little emotional shut up and uh they kind of she invites him in and then Everett's parents kind of break the ice and like hey and then uh, Mary's dad's like is the game on <laughs> I'm like you're a stockbroker you you don't need you don't need to say that so then there's like a bunch of people watching football. Everett's there with his buddy and then her assistant Victoria. Mary is cooking and so is the mom. It's all so nice. And then the doorbell rings and Uncle Bill, I guess the vegan, has arrived with his family. And then Dad and Mary are alone in the kitchen and he offers to help. And, he, you know, he says, oh, it's wonderful to be back in this house. And Mary is, again, just personality of toast. And she admits she's like, having a hard time getting over the divorce, which happened, you know, probably about 20 years ago. And he's like, I was really selfish and I hope one day I can, you can forgive me. And she says, you know, I want you back in my life. But it's a lot of hard work ahead of us. And I'm like, what is going on? This is really, these are little itty bitty problems in family relationships. There are 
bigger, darker things maybe underneath that I haven't seen because Hallmark hasn't put it out for me to see it as they do for everything else. Anyway, everyone's holding hands and Mary makes this lovely speech about gratitude. And uh, to be honest, this seems like the longest build up to a Thanksgiving dinner. I'd be completely blotto by this point. I'd be the uh, guest that needs to excuse herself to lie down. So it's a beautiful montage of Thanksgiving. People eating turkey. It's just so lovely and great. And I promise you, we're in the last like minute of the film. So all this build up for this Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so then later on, Mary's sitting on the sofa drinking coffee, and Everett comes over. He's holding a an envelope, and then she says before he can say anything, she's like, you know, I love the house. And I'm done fighting with him about the landmark, but, you know, if this is a historical place, then we are going to make this a historical place and we can tear down the house. I don't know. This is so stupid. And then he instead says something like, well, instead of tearing it down, why don't we do this? And he takes out a printout of what would be a landmark heritage, like, what's it called? Sign. That could be outside the house. And then he, she says something like, oh, are you sure? And I guess he's got results about the core, whatever it's called, core samples, but he decides not to open the envelope. I, this, this was so stupid because it didn't make any sense. And maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand what he was trying to say, but I guess they're going to keep the house. They're going to put a landmark sign up and maybe tour buses will go by, but otherwise that's it. That's the end. So then he says to her that, you know, close your, close your eyes. I've got a surprise for you outside. And he takes her outside and, um, well, guess what guys, it's, it's a swing, just like the one from the picture, just like the one from when she's a little girl and she sits on it and she looks up at him and she goes, happy Thanksgiving Everett. And then they kiss and he goes, happy Thanksgiving, Mary. And then he swings her back and forth and the camera pans out. And that was the end. And I wanted to cry that I wasted an hour and 20 minutes of my life plus all the note-taking, to watch this piece of crap. This didn't even have anything. This was the worst, by far, the worst cheesy film I've ever watched. I mean, other, like, Lifetime films can sometimes have some zingers in it, something a little bit interesting. This was terrible. So you're welcome. You never have to watch it. I've done it for you. Everybody owes me a drink, because this was exhausting, and I don't know what the hell I watched. Um, so... I think 2018, writing my own damn Thanksgiving house uh, movie, it's going to be amazing. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty awesome because this was terrible. I have so many questions. I just I I had to do a little bit of research about everything because I was like, what is going on? So, um, well, number one, my first thought is this should not have gone the direction it went in. Um, they should not even have talked about. Uh, giving peace a chance. I think that was just horrific. You should have just made it the Thanksgiving house and the fact that it's a couple hosting their first Thanksgiving and maybe there's divorce and you could make it cheesy and sweet, but this was completely ridiculous. It's supposed to be Plymouth. Everything about it is awful. Um, I think probably the best thing of the whole film is the line, color me gone, because that's fantastic. I think I'm going to use that. Um, I was trying to think of other, um, what's it called? Uh, Thanksgiving films I'd seen and like in the past, like not Hallmark lifetime ones, but the classic is plane trains and automobiles, which is actually a classic. And I love that film. 
And uh, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and somebody said in it, yeah, you know that the John Candy character, the whole time that trunk he's carrying around, his dead wife's in there. And that completely destroyed the film for me. Um, and now I have to watch it again, watch it with that, that fresh perspective. Um, so the, the, the actors in it, there's a woman named Emily Rose, um, that's Mary, and she was on Criminal Minds, Private Practice, and ER, so that's pretty impressive. So she's got, I mean, she's very, very pretty, very pretty woman. Then there was Justin Bruning, who was Everett. He was in Hawaii Five O and All My Children, which makes a lot of sense. He's got a square draw. Then we've got uh, the Lindsay Wagner, who was the mom of Everett, and she's in a lot of things. And then uh, I looked up the boyfriend, Rick, to see where he's from. He's not from Boston, so that, that was clear. Um, it was filmed in, a, it said one building in a room in Boston. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And then Simi Valley, California. So none of it was filmed in Plymouth. I don't think they have the money to film in Plymouth. I am imagining Plymouth is a nice town. Um, so there you have it, the Thanksgiving house. So yeah, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. And, uh, what I'm grateful for is, um, that I'm able to take the time to do something ridiculous like this. I'm grateful for my friends, my family, my son, um, even my job. But yesterday I lost my cool at work and, uh, uh, I, a, a friend, a coworker reassured me that I, I wasn't over the top, but I did lose my cool. It was a situation that, um, I didn't know how to handle and, uh, everything's absolutely totally fine. Uh, the great thing was that it reaffirmed how much I love the people I work with and how lucky I am to have um, such awesome coworkers and friends because it was nothing um, that anybody had done in that respect. It was a situation where someone was kind of bullying me um, who I didn't know this person. And it was quite, uh, it was quite frustrating because I was like, I'm not used to this situation where I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, it was, it was quite frustrating, but I think the, the best benefit was just to see such great support from, uh, people I really love and, and like. And so that was, that was great. Office Jim was actually, uh, pretty hilarious. He, uh, he kind of turned weirdly alpha male at one point and I was like, this is weird. So I thanked him today in my way of being like, thanks jerk. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was an interesting, uh, afternoon and I was very stressed and, uh, I don't yell and scream. I did pat, look back in the day. I mean, I get frustrated. I get a little bit annoyed, uh, but I don't have the energy like I used to, to really be dramatic about stuff, but there was definitely very, um, deep sighing, a couple of muted guttural groans and utterances and definitely some swearing. Um, but it was frustrating and I look back and I think, okay, well that was a lesson learned something in the future. I know how to handle differently nothing dramatic, nothing over the top, but I really did lose my cool. And I usually don't at work. Um, I do get a little stressed. I can get a little emotional over things that can be difficult, but it's, it, this was probably the worst I had had to deal with. And, uh, again, it was, uh, I, I have this belief that sometimes, uh, the worst, the worst things that happen can bring out the best. And I've always thought that way. I mean, I, um, Speaking of gratitude, I remember a couple of years ago, my son had his febrile seizure. It was such a terrible event, obviously. 
and we had gotten a diagnosis about half a year before of autism. And I remember when he was in the hospital and he was, um, you know, passed out and it was just so terrible in my mind. I was like, uh, I don't care if he has autism. I don't care if he has, um, a disability. I just need him to be healthy and to live. And I remember, uh, later on thinking, you know, this terrible situation made me realize how much, I mean, I always knew I loved him, but how, how minimal something like autism is, is in the grand scheme of things. And yes, we still have our challenges and there's a lot of fear and a lot of the unknown, but it was really an eye opener. And I think when you have something really terrible happening, uh, sometimes you can walk away from it and think there was a silver lining. And I think that's how I always try to live my life. So I am grateful, even though yesterday was a complete crazy hour or two. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, it showed me again, how much I, uh, how lucky I am to be surrounded by really awesome people. So big uh, gratitude to that. Uh, I hope you guys are all grateful for whatever you have, even if uh, you're having a shitty day, it'll get better. Um, the plans for the next few days. So yesterday after work, I actually had to do a podcast interview. Um, and there was a delay on the Ubon. So I was like sweaty and gross. And I met this a uh, woman who we've been friends on Facebook, but we've never met before. We haven't really interacted much before. And uh, you'll hear that on Monday. She works for a really cool company. So you'll hear all about that. And I bought two little mini bottles of champagne, which was very helpful. So stay tuned for that. And then afterwards, I was meeting my friend. I was also going to do a podcast interview with her, but uh, we were in a cafe and the sound wasn't great. So we postponed that. Instead, we were able to catch up and have some wine, which was really, really nice because we haven't talked for a couple months properly. And then uh, today was a normal day at work. And then I had just a tiny bit of time before I had to be home. So I stopped at TK Maxx and bought myself some scented Christmas candles because it's really around the corner. I have so much to do, so much shopping to do in terms of gifts. I also uh, treated myself to a very, very cheap pink fleece uh, jogging suit. I look like a terrible version of Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. I love this. I'm wearing it now. I am so happy. I look like someone who's given up on life, but still wants to be a little feminine. So I'm very happy with my purchase, my 14 euro purchase. Um, I got home and the nanny said he had been great and so did the therapy aid, but he was exhausted. He seems to have a bit of a, like his stomach seems a little uncomfortable. So he was just very quiet and then kind of fetching a little bit and, uh, he is asleep now and we'll see how he does. I don't know if he'll go to school tomorrow. There are so many bugs going around. Who knows what he's picked up, but I think he should be okay. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. And then tomorrow work, I'm hoping to go for a run in the morning. I haven't gone for a while because of the stupid cold. Uh, Saturday morning, I hope to be back at spinning. In the evening, I am going to a friend's birthday at a tiki bar, so that should be fun. It's a new place, I think, in the 8th District. And uh, what else is planned for next week? Um, I'm not sure. I have to check my schedule. Oh, yeah, there are family friends that are going to be in town. And uh, I think I'm going out for dinner with some girlfriends. And then next weekend, I think the Christmas tree is going up. So there's a lot to look forward to and nothing too, too crazy uh, for the next week or two. Thank goodness. I need a bit of a break. 
So I hope you guys all have a wonderful Thanksgiving, as I keep saying. Uh, I hope that I didn't bore you to death with my recap of the Thanksgiving house. All I can say is that you never have to watch it, ever. Trust me on this. Um, so uh, I guess I could say, you know, my usual thing of toodles, but I think right now, tonight, I'm going to have to end, or, end it with uh, Color Me Gone. So again toodles. Thanks for listening. And, uh, please like it on Facebook. If you like the link, please share it. Um, I need the praise and, uh, thanks again. So have a great night. Happy Thanksgiving. Toodles.